Japan makes me scared. A podcast to the chilling realm of Japanese horror stories. My name is Junpei, and I will invite you to the mysterious world of Kaiden, exploring spine-tingling experiences that have haunted Japan. Welcome back to another episode of Japan Makes Me Scared. I'm Junpei, your host, and I'm going to share various Kaidan stories in this podcast. Quick note Kaidan is a type of scary horror story that's been quite popular in Japan for centuries. By the way, do you know about Tuchan? Yes, for some deep Kaidan lovers. But probably no for most listeners. So let me explain a little bit about that. Tuchan, Nichanneru in Japanese, is a forum type website where people can make a text board on a specific topic and users share messages anonymously. It started in the late 90s and it has had a huge impact on Japanese society. Now, Tuchan's popularity has declined dramatically, but it surely embodied the culture of the early age of the Japanese internet. History lesson aside, you can actually find many kaidan stories that have been posted on Tuchan, and they are still well liked nowadays. So, today, I will pick up one of the most iconic Tuchan kaidan stories here. Alright! Let's move on to the storytelling then. Episode 3 Hashakusama. In 2008, there was a thread created on Tuchan. The boy who started the thread shared his terrifying experience there. I will describe I as this boy from here. My father's home 高校になってバイクに乗るようになると夏休みとか冬休みなんかにはよく一人で遊びに My grandpa's house is less than two hours drive from my house. It was a farmhouse and I liked the atmosphere there. When I got a driving license and a motorbike in high school, I used to go there alone during the summer and winter holidays. I remember my grandpa and grandma were always pleased to see me. And gave me a warm welcome. But I haven't been there for more than 10 years now. It's not that I didn't go, but I couldn't. And I will share why today.
It was just the beginning of the spring break. I went to my grandpa's house by motorbike as usual, and I was staying there for a few days. It was when I was at Engawa, which is a floor extension of a traditional Japanese house facing the back garden. It was cold, but getting warm at the same time with the nice weather. So I was having rocks in time there. Then I heard. I heard a strange sound. It wasn't a mechanical sound, but it sounded more like coming from a person. As I wondered what it was, I spotted a hat on the hedge in the garden. The hat moved straight to the side, and when it came to a break in the hedge, I saw a woman wearing a white dress. Well, the hat wasn't on the hedge; it was on the head of that woman. But immediately, I realized something was wrong. The hedge is about two meters high. It's much higher than my height. And I believe it's even higher than any person. How tall a woman could stick her head out of that hedge? While I was trying to figure it out, the woman moved again and disappeared from the view. That popo sound had also faded away. At the time, I only thought it was either a tall woman. Wearing very thick felt boots, or a tall man wearing high heel shoes and dressed as a woman, something like that. Later, over tea in the living room, I told Grandpa and Grandma about what had happened earlier. I saw a big woman earlier. I wonder if it was a man dressed as a woman. But they only said something like, "All right." They didn't seem concerned about it at all. Then I continued. She was taller than Hedge, and she was wearing the hat and making strange noises like "poo poo poo." As soon as I said that, they stopped moving. They literally froze to silence. And didn't move at all. Then Grandpa started asking many questions while looking super tense, like, "When did you see it? Where did you see it? And how high was it about the hedge?" While I was surprised to see the new side of my Grandpa, I answered the questions as I had seen earlier. Then he suddenly fell silent again, went to the phone in the corridor, and started to call someone. The sliding door was closed, so I couldn't quite understand what he was talking about. Grandpa had finished the phone call, and came back and said, "Stay here tonight. Now, I can't let you go home today." Have I done something wrong? I thought desperately, but I couldn't think of anything. 
You know, I didn't try to see that woman. She just appeared and came into my sight. Grandpa also asked Grandma, Can you take care of him now? I'm going to pick up Mrs. K. Then he left in a car and went off somewhere. After we were left alone, I asked Grandma, Hey, can you tell me what's going on? Am I in some kind of trouble? She looked as tense as Grandpa and seemed to be shaking a little bit with fear. After a short pause, she started like, I think Hashak-sama has got a liking to you. But Grandpa will take care of it, so you don't have to be worried about that. She said it in a trembling voice. I ask again, What is Hashak-sama? Then Grandma started talking about it. It was this kind of story. There was a thing around the village called Hashakusama. Shaku is an old Japanese way to measure length, and when Shaku is about 30 centimeters, Hashaku means 8 Shakus, so it is about 2.4 meters. As her name suggests, she's a very tall woman, same po 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 po, and a man like voice. Her look is different depending on the person who saw her. Sometimes she's a young woman in grave clothes, or at other times she looks like an old woman in a kimono. But what's in common is that she's usually a tall woman, has something on her head, and that creepy poor poor laugh. And there was one more thing for sure. Those who got a liking by Shaksama, they'll be taken away and killed within a few days. Rumor has it that she haunted travelers to get into this village, but the origin is still uncertain. But at some point, to lock Shaksama away in this area, all the villagers placed Jizo, which is a Buddhist statue commonly seen in Japan. We don't know the logic, but there seemed to be only a limited number of roads along which Hashikusama could travel to other places. So, four Jizo were enshrined at the boundaries of the roads from east, west, north to south. Why did they decide to look in this area? Well, it is said that there was some kind of agreement with surrounding villages. It was like, okay, we will keep her here, so you can give us priority access to water. Something like that. Yeah, that's right, she still killed people. But it had happened only once every 10 to 15 years more or less in the past. So maybe it was still a good deal for the old villagers to keep her for the benefit of the agreement. Actually, the most recent home from Hashak Summer was about 15 years ago. So yeah, it was still an understandable choice. 
After hearing the story from Grandma, it didn't feel realistic at all. Of course, how could you possibly believe all of that at once? Anyway, there was nothing I could do but wait for Grandpa. Eventually, Grandpa came back with an old lady. So, she seemed to be the one called Mrs. K. She said to me, "You've had a terrible time. Now hold this." And she gave me a amulet note. Then she went upstairs with Grandpa and started doing something. Grandma stayed with me and even followed me to the toilet, not letting me close the door completely. It was when I started to think that worst came to the worst. After a while, they made me go upstairs and put me in the room. All the windows were covered with newspaper, and on top of that, they were full of amulet notes. Salt was also placed in each corner of the room, and so was a wooden box with a small Buddha statue on it. There were also two potty things. I guessed I was supposed to do my business with these. Grandpa told me, "Listen, the sun will be setting soon, and you're not allowed to leave this room until tomorrow morning. And remember, I won't call you, and I won't talk to you, neither will Grandma. Don't leave here until seven o'clock tomorrow morning. And when it's seven o'clock, you open the door by yourself and get out of the room." I will call your dad, so don't worry about that. I had no choice but to nod silently, as Grandpa said with a straight face. Mrs. K also said, "Have you heard it, Grandpa? Do exactly as you said. Also, don't leave the amulet note that I gave you earlier. And one more thing: if anything happens, ask for help in front of the Buddha statue." Then they left me alone in the room. I was also told that I could watch TV, so I turned it on. But even when I watched it, I couldn't get my mind off it. Is Hashak-sama near me yet? What should I do? I had no desire to eat the rice balls and sweets Grandma gave me, and I was wrapped up in duvet, just shivering under the covers. When I woke up, I saw a late-night program on TV. I realized I had fallen asleep without intention. I looked at my watch, and it was 1 a.m. I suddenly heard a tapping sound on the window pane. It didn't sound like small stones or some other objects thrown into the window. It was more like a light tap, with the hand of a person. I couldn't decide if the sound was caused by the wind or if someone was really tapping, 
but I tried to convince myself desperately that it was the wind. I took a sip of tea to calm down, but I was still scared. So I forced myself towards the TV with the sun turned up. That's when I heard Grandpa's voice. Hey, are you alright? If you're scared, don't force yourself. I approached the door without thinking, but immediately remembered Grandpa's voice. I won't call you, and I won't talk to you, neither will Grandma. Then I heard a voice again. What's wrong? You can come over here. It sounded really close to Grandpa's voice, but it wasn't his for sure. I didn't know why, but I felt like it. And as soon as I thought that, I got goosebumps all over my body was here. I looked at the sword in the corners and saw that it had turned black at the top. At once, I sat in front of the Buddha statue and clutched the amulet node and began playing for help. At that moment, I heard that voice and the window started thumping and thumping. I knew she wasn't as tall as the second floor, but I couldn't help but picture the scene of that. She was reaching out from below and tapping on the window. All I could do now was pray to the Buddha statue. It felt like an incredibly long night, but morning still came. And before I knew it, the TV I had left on was showing the morning news. The time displayed in the corner of the screen was 7.13 a.m. The banging on the glass on a voice had stopped without my noticing. Apparently, I fell asleep or passed out at some point. When I glanced at the sword, it had turned even darker and completely black. Just to be sure, I looked at my watch and saw that it was the same time as TV, so I opened the door. Grandma and Mrs. K were standing in front of the door with worried looks on their faces. Grandma burst into tears saying, Oh, thank God, thank God. When we went downstairs, my dad was there too. Grandpa didn't completely look relieved and asked me to leave the house quickly. When I went out into the garden, there was a one-box van and there were some men in front of it. The one-box was a nine-seater and they sat me in the middle of the middle row. Mrs. K sat in the passenger seat and all the men in the garden got in. They had seats around me, so I was surrounded on all eight sides. Hey, I'm sorry that you're in a lot of trouble, but from now on, close your eyes and look down. We can't see anything, but it most likely will. Be patient and don't open your eyes until we say it's okay. 
said an older man of about fifty years old, sitting next to me on my right. Then we left the house. Grandpa was driving a mini truck in the front, followed by the van that I was in, and my dad's car behind. We were moving at fairly slow speed. The speed was probably not even twenty kilometers per hour. Soon after, Mrs. K murmured, "This is it," and we began chanting some Buddhist mantra. Then, po 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 po. I heard that voice again. I clutched amulet node, closed my eyes, and looked down as I was told. But I happened to open my eyes. And looked outside a little. What I saw first was a white dress. It was moving with the car. It was following the van with those big thighs. Her head was outside window, and I couldn't see it. But she started to make a gesture of lowering her head, as if she was trying to look into the car. He. <laughs> I couldn't keep a little scream. Don't look," said the guy sitting next to me. I squeezed my eyes shut, and clasped Amulet not even tighter. The sound of tapping on the window started. The man sitting around me also made short noises like, "eh," and, "hmm." They seemed to hear the sound, even if they couldn't see the thing. Mrs. K's mantra became more forceful. Then, ooh, it's out now. The voices and sounds had broken off, and Mrs. K breathed out. The man surrounding me also let out a sigh of relief. Eventually. The car stopped at a wide part of the road, and I was transferred to my dad's car. As dad and grandpa were saying thank you to the other man, Mrs. K approached me and said, "Show me the amulet note." I looked at the amulet note that I was still clutching, and saw that the whole note had turned black. Mrs. K said, "I think you're right now." But keep this for a while, just in case. She gave me a new note. After that, my father and I went back home. Later on, my father told me the details about that day. He also knew about Hashak Sama. And when he was a child, one of his friends lost his life to this. He also knew some people who had to move to other places because they were chosen as targets. On that day, in the van, I was surrounded by people related to me by blood. Grandpa, who drove in front of me, and Dad, who drove behind me, were strongly related to me, obviously. And the main van. They were all related to Grandpa's family.
In other words, they were also related to me even though they were slightly distant. They did what they did to deceive Shaksama's eyes as much as possible. My dad asked my uncle, but he couldn't make it overnight. So they had to get people to come who were less blood rated, but could get together quickly. Even though the plan was set, my grandpa and dad knew it would take some time to get seven more people. And also, it was considered safer in the daytime than at night. That's why I was locked up in the room for the night. When I spoke to grandpa on the phone after I returned home, I asked him if he had approached and talked to me that night. But as I thought, he confirmed that he had not done so. My dad also told me that it was more often young people, young children in particular, who were victimized by Hashak Sama in the past. When children are still in a state of extreme anxiety, and if they hear the voice of somebody close to them saying things like what I experienced, I assume they are likely to let their minds carry it away. In the end, my dad said that I couldn't go back to grandpa's house anymore. Ten years later, when I almost forgot about the incident, I had a phone call from my grandma. By the way, grandpa had died two years earlier, and of course, they both didn't let me go to the funeral. On a call, grandma said, Remember the Jido statue that enshrined Hashik-sama? One of them has been broken recently by someone, and it was the one in the direction to your house. I hope it's nothing, but... I also told myself that it's just a superstition, but I'm still quite worried about it. What if I hear that voice again, saying, Poo, 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 poo. Oh, Shimai, thank you very much for listening to the story. Did you find it interesting? What do you think about Hashak-sama? What could be the origin of it? Actually, Hashak-sama has been sighted in other places than the village mentioned in the story. Sightings of unusually tall women have been found in ancient folklore and literature. Also, as regions are scattered all over Japan, it is possible that there is not just one Hashak-sama, several of them. In addition, even though most of the sighting areas are placed in the countryside, there are a few cases spotted in the city too. I actually know there is a comedian who shared the story of Hashik Sama's encounter in Osaka. So I hope I can cover that story in one of the future episodes soon. Anyway, you got what the best part of Kaidan is, didn't you? It should be that you can analyze a story, make some theories on it, and share them with other Kaidan lovers. For that, I created a Discord channel 
where anybody can join and share thoughts and theories. I'm gonna leave the link in the description, so please join me and enjoy the interaction if you would. This podcast, Japan Makes Me Scared, is available on almost all popular podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple, YouTube, or Amazon Music. And also, if you push the follow button on the app of your choice, first of all, for me, it'll be huge support and motivation. And for you, you will not miss notification for the release of future episodes. So please consider following my podcast as well. All right, we're getting close to the end. So let me say one thing. Arigatou gozaimasu again for listening to my podcast, Japan Makes Me Scared. And sayonara for more chills and thrills next time. Bye.